watching the end of a race and not wondering whether or not you'll be able to cash in a ticket for the win or not, but which ticket you'll cash in and for how much, because that's what I was working with late Sunday night into early Monday morning as I had all three of the top finishers to win the race. And lucky for me, the longest shot of them all, Eric Jones pulls it out in quite a thrilling race overall. I ended up having Eric Jones at plus 2,000, which was phenomenal value. I was absolutely in love with that when I saw it. And I had Kyle Busch and Kyle Larson also, but they were more uh, on the favorite side. They got them both around plus 600, I believe. So obviously towards the end of the race, I was cheering for the 20 car and uh, loved the way it turned out. But welcome to another edition of Full Tank with Phil. If you listened to last week, you were probably in my position because you did spread out your bets on the guys that I had mentioned, and uh, we all cashed in last Sunday night, early Monday. There were a couple head-to-head matches that we also hit, if you were paying attention. There was one guy that I was uh, wrong on, and that was Matt Benedetto. I said take him to finish outside the top ten. And his magical tour continues as he finished eighth. Then we also had a showdown between myself and William Byron. He was on the pole. I recorded the podcast before he even put the car on the pole. And I said, look, I'm going to take Byron to finish in the top ten. We've had our moments throughout this year. And, you know, this is going to be it for me, you know. And sure enough... Byron starts on the pole and finishes 21st. So this is me officially saying that William Byron is now dead to me. I will be betting against him any opportunity that I have. So any head-to-head matchups, any chance I get to pick him coming outside of the top 10, I will be taking that moving forward. So just an early heads up, I've got some venom in my voice when I mention the 24 car. But this week's podcast, it's going to be about Indianapolis, the Brickyard 400, a very contentious race. Been in the news lately about whether or not we should be going back there. I think, really, that's for good reason. Indianapolis has been known in recent years to have some boring races, if we're being quite frank. And that's what gambling's for. That's why we're here, because betting on the race is going to make it interesting, whether the race itself is boring or not. If we run into a situation like a couple years ago where there was only four lead changes and the guy who started on the pole, Kyle Busch, won the race and the race itself is boring as hell, well, hopefully you can be betting on some of the things within the field to make the race more interesting for yourself. So that's what we're talking about this week. As always, we're going to talk about who we like to win the race and the odds that they have going off right now. Then we've got some head-to-head matchups, and I'm really excited for the head-to-head section of this podcast because 
I'm seeing some names and some matchups that I have not seen all year. I am very excited, so excited, in fact, that I've already put in a parlay that I'm calling the Backpack Parlay, and we're going to explain what the hell that means in just a little bit. Then we'll talk about some top 10 finishers. Indianapolis can be you know, a strange track to bet on because of some strategies, so we'll, uh, we'll talk about some crew chiefs and who might be able to put their car in position. And then we're going to end it with a rant. We'll talk about something that happened earlier in this week outside of NASCAR and how I think it could relate to making betting on NASCAR stronger in the future. It's something that we've sort of touched on slightly a little bit in a previous podcast, but now that uh, this particular something has happened, it makes it all more real. So that'll be how we end the show this week. So we'll get things going, as always, with our picks to win the race and maybe some uh, suggestions on who we don't like to win the race or who to stay away from. And we have to, once again, start this by saying that I'm recording this just after both practices, but qualifying is taking place the day of the race, and I wanted to get this out as soon as possible. So we don't know where these picks are going to be qualifying on Sunday morning, And looking at some track history, I do think that it's important. So if you're someone who, you know, really just wants to get their bets in on Saturday, maybe you have a one too many cocktail Saturday night, you just want to throw something in, I totally support that. But uh, if you want and you can hold out until Sunday morning, maybe after, after qualifying right before the race, it might behoove you to do that because out of 25 races in the past, at Indianapolis 12 times has the winner of the race started in the top five. So that's just about 50% of the time. 25 years, 25 races, that's no little cup of coffee. That's pretty decent in terms of a sample size. So that, to me, is something that is worth waiting for. Um, I've already put a few bets in. And uh, I'm going to be very anxious to see where these guys qualify. It's not the end of the world, obviously, if they don't qualify in the top five. But if they do, it really gives you a fighting chance. Now, the flip side is if you want to put your bets in early, you might be able to get somebody at a better value before they qualify up front because I'm sure the odds will change after qualifying and uh, you might have a you know bigger payout if you're able to guess right and you pick a guy who's going to start up front. So something to just be aware of. And the other thing is only three times in history has a car started outside of the twenty top 20 position and won the race. So very small chance for anyone starting outside the top 20. I mean, you're going to typically see that at most tracks, but you know that's a very small amount. Three of 25, that's not good. So You're going to want to stay away from anyone outside of the top 20. At least I would. When the lines opened up on Tuesday, there was no surprise who was up at the top as the heavy favorite. It was Kyle Busch, and it was for good reason. Kyle Busch is very good at Indianapolis. He's got two wins there, five top fives, 11 top tens. He put the car on the pole twice. And he's second out of all active drivers in average finish. So obviously, unlike some weeks where I sit here and go, okay, that's a lazy job by the sports books to put Kyle as the heavy favorite. 
Uh, I think it does matter in this case. I, I think they were right in making him plus 350. On top of that, he had a pretty good practice today. He's been in the top 10 as far as fast as lap. And when it came to the five-lap average, he was actually second overall. Ten-lap average, he was seventh. So he has a fast race car. He knows how to get around this place. Kyle Busch makes sense as someone to take. But if you don't like that value, like me, I, I just don't like plus 350. If, if you're able to get him at some point, maybe after qualifying, maybe he qualifies like 10th or something like that. I'm going to wait on Kyle Busch. I don't like him right now. I'm going to wait and see if I'm able to get him at a different value. If so, I may jump on it, but up until then, I'm staying away at plus 350, even though I understand how good he is at this racetrack. And if we want to talk about being good at Indy, we have to talk about Kevin Harvick. He opened up at plus 600. He was the third favorite behind Bush and Hamlin, which I thought was kind of strange. He has, out of all active drivers, the best average finish at 9.2 in his career. And that's with a lot of starts. I mean, he's got the most starts out of anyone in the field. So Kevin Harvick is somebody to look for. Now, in practice, he didn't blow the doors off of anyone. You know, he, he was in top five for uh, the 10-lap average, which I think that's one that you really want to see. Not everybody ran the 15-lap average, only a few cars, actually. So um, wasn't the greatest practice performance out of the four-car, but I still think at plus 600, that's somebody to look for. I'm going to put money on Kevin Harvick this week um, just because I think the value is there. He has 18 career starts at this track and has finished on the lead lap 17 times. I like that stat. Lead lap finish is a stat that I look for every single week. And at a track like Indy where, you know, something, it's a big racetrack. I mean, anything could happen. I like the fact that he's able to bring it home on the lead lap pretty much every single time he's ever been here. He's got one win, six top fives, 11 top tens. He's also won the pole twice. So, I mean, especially if he's able to go out and qualify well on Sunday morning, his value is going to drop. So I'm putting money in on Kevin Harvick early, um, and you could take that to the bank. Someone that I'm going to caution you to stay away from, at least I'm going to stay away from this person, and that's going to be the 19 car and Martin Truex Jr., he had a terrible finish here last year, so that really got my attention, and I wanted to look into him a little bit. You don't have to scroll down very far to get to Truex. He's the fourth favorite right now, going off at plus 750, but I don't like him. I'm avoiding him this week. He struggled last year, like I said, but in practice today, he's well behind the pace. Whether it's one lap, five lap, ten laps, it doesn't matter what you're looking at. Truex is like 15 or below, so... Maybe he turns things around, but I'm avoiding that 19 team this week at Indianapolis. Getting back to a couple people now that I like to win this race and I'm going to throw money on, I'm going to start with the two cars. So what's happened to Team Penske? They started the season so strong. I don't know what has happened in that race shop, but they lost their mojo, it seems like. And I think Indianapolis is a track where they could get it back. Kozlowski and the two team won this race a year ago, and he's going off at plus 850, which I think is really good value. Then when you factor in the fact that he had a pretty good practice, he was up in the top five in both single lap speeds and 
lap averages, top five and top ten. So the two car, I mean, I, I don't know why no one's talking about him anymore. The the Penske stable, like I said, is kind of falling off, and I think this is the perfect time to pounce. You roll that in with the fact that Brad typically goes into the playoffs pretty strong. He has a history of winning the last couple races before playoffs start, and this is you know part of that mo. If you were able to win this race. It would fall right into that pattern. So I'm definitely throwing money on the two at plus 850. Somebody that I skipped over was Denny Hamlin. He was going off as the second favorite at plus 550. Hamlin had an adventurous second practice. Actually, it was actually post-practice. He slammed into the wall. His car went on fire. He lost his brakes. He tried to get out of this car. Window net went down as soon as he hit letting everyone know that he was okay, but he couldn't stop the car, and it was smoking inside the cockpit of the car, and he had to wait for it to come to rest before he could get himself out of the vehicle. So very crazy ending to second practice. Obviously, they're going to a backup car, but I'm not going to take the 11 team to win the race just because of that craziness. I have not had a chance to see if Denny Hamlin is even okay. I mean, he was in the infield care center. By the time they went off the air, he was still in there. Haven't seen anything on Twitter just yet. I'm going to assume that he's fine. He was able to walk away from the wreck on his own accord. But they're going to a backup car. No practice time on that. They've done that once already this year, and he actually finished second. So not bad, but still, I'm not going to take him to win the race. I actually... I'm going to keep my eye on the line for Denny Hamlin about whether or what he'll finish in the top 10. If it's uh, pretty good, right now, before that happened, he was listed at minus 360 to finish in the top 10. I'm going to look to see if I can get him at a better value than that uh, based on you know what I said about the history with the backup cars. That team is ready to go, uh, but not going to take Denny to win this week. And now we're going to get to what I'm thinking is my favorite pick of this week, and that's going to be Kurt Busch in the one car. I've talked about him recently. I don't know what it is, but he keeps grabbing my attention. And his value this week, at least right now, is through the roof. You have to scroll pretty far down to get to Kurt. He's plus 1,800 right now. That is great value for someone who is practicing out of their mind. As far as the fastest lap is concerned, in the second practice, he was third fastest. But then when you look at those 5, 10, 15 lap averages, Kurt Busch was up at the top for 5 and 10 and second when it came to the 15 lap average. So I think those are so key when you're trying to dictate who has a fast race car. And clearly the one car is fast. And at that value, when I see a deep value like that, plus 1,800, and a car that is clearly fast off the truck, I'm going to throw money on it every time. And I'm putting my money in today because if he goes out and qualifies well, that's definitely going to drop. So try to. I'm, I'm encouraging you, if you're listening to this right now and it's before qualifying, stop what you're doing, pause the podcast, and go put money on Kurt Busch. There are some other guys out there that I may think about, but I don't think I'm going to put them into the podcast as predicted winners like Eric Jones. He's having a good week, signed a contract extension. He's going off at plus 800. He won, obviously, a week ago. We heard the intro with him all over it. 
I'm going to avoid them this week. Uh, I typically don't like to take back-to-back winners, as I've said before. Last week I went against that, and it didn't pay off for me. I'm going to go back to it this week. He's, you know, not dominating practice like I would like to see in someone if I'm going to go against my gut. So I'm going to avoid Eric Jones this week. I was thinking about putting Larson on the podcast uh, plus two, sorry, plus twelve hundred. Good value. He seems like he's so close to a win, but I didn't like what I saw out of him today. So I'm going to avoid picking Kyle Larson for the win today. And I'm going to wrap up this portion of the podcast with another sympathy pick. I had a pick last week that I called a sympathy pick because I felt bad for someone. And I'm going to do that again this week. And it's going to be Jimmy Johnson. But this, I have, I have a reason, so hear me out. He's going off at plus 4,000. It's a ridiculous number. And Vegas is right. I mean, he is terrible this year. He's 18 points back of a playoff spot. The first time his entire career that he would actually miss the playoffs. So that's a huge deal. It's just something that's really, really hard for the longtime NASCAR fan to comprehend is Jimmy Johnson not in the playoffs. He's just been bad. I mean, there's no getting around that. He Started out real well last week at Darlington. He was up in the top five. And like we said on the podcast, somebody's going to get knocked out through no fault of their own. And he was a victim of that last week. So that was unfortunate. He really seemed like he could, you know, clinch a win. So to state the case for Jimmy Johnson, he's got four wins here. He has more wins than any other active driver at Indianapolis. So that to me, has to count for something. I mean, even if you're late in your career, it still means that you know what you're doing here. It's not like this track just eludes you. He can win in Indianapolis. So you take that and you combine that with the fact that he's desperate. 18 points out, he's going to need a lot of luck coming from the other drivers that he's competing with if he's going to point himself into the playoffs. So you're going to have that mentality, you need to win. And if they're all bought in in the 48 camp that you need to win, I think there's a possibility they're going to try to get off cycle with the rest of the crew. Indianapolis has that capability. You're going to hear a lot about the fact that Paul Menard won a million years ago because they went off cycle, and that's where he got uh, a, a crazy victory for himself. Jimmy has that ability to kind of take that blueprint and do that on Sunday. If he gets off cycle and they get a little bit of luck going his way, and he's got a faster car. I mean, he does. He led all cars on 15-lap average earlier today. Now, only five cars went 15 laps, so it's not a huge indication that you know he's dominant. But it's something. I mean, it's something to point to and say, hey, this car isn't slow. So I think there's a case to be made for, for the 48. If they go off cycle, he continues to have a fast race car. You, as the gambler, have a really good value on it at plus 4000 I mean, that's a huge ticket if he does cash in. I, I think it's going to be an interesting storyline to follow along with during the race. Will Jimmy do that and take a shot to win the race to get into the playoffs? We'll see. So now we're going to switch gears and we're going to start talking about most people's favorite topic when it comes to betting on NASCAR, and that is the head-to-head matchups. And we've got some good ones here this week. So we're going to start by talking about the typical names that we see in these matchups. We're going to start with Eric Jones versus Martin Truex Jr. because they're both going off right now at even. And I didn't take either of these guys to win. I'm taking Eric Jones to beat Truex 
in this battle on Sunday in Indianapolis based upon everything that I said for the negative for Truex. I don't think he's going to have a good day on Sunday, so I'm going to take that and look for someone who he's going up against. Eric Jones is someone that I'm seeing who has a good race car so far. He's got a lot of momentum, a lot of positive things for him. So if they're going off at even, I'm taking the 20 car all day in that matchup. Another even matchup, both going off at 115 right now, is Kyle Larson versus somebody we haven't talked about in this podcast yet is Joey Logano. Logano is just hiding out. I mean, he really isn't doing much. We were correct about him at Darlington. Um, I'm going to go with Kyle Larson here. If they continue to remain both at 115, I'm taking Kyle Larson over the 22. I like the fact that I'm seeing Kyle Larson really start to be trending upwards overall through this second half of the season. And I don't like what I'm seeing out of the 22 car, which is really just kind of fading in the background. Now, if we're talking about practices, they're both pretty much around the same area when it comes to practice this week. Joey is um, in the top 10, depending on what stat you're looking at and what practice, but Larson isn't blowing any doors off of anybody either, so it makes sense that they're going off at even. I'm just going to take 42 just because I like the trend of their team right now compared to Logano. A final even bet that we have right now listed on the site that I use is Denny Hamlin versus Kevin Harvick. Now, I would have to imagine that this is going to change after qualifying with Hamlin going to a backup car. I'm going to take Kevin Harvick on this uh, based on everything we said earlier about Harvick's history here and the way that he races, his average finish being better than Denny's overall. I just think there's too many question marks at this point for Denny Hamlin. I would think that that matchup is not going to be even when we drop the green flag on Sunday for the race. I think that Harvick is actually going to start to trend towards more of a a favorite in that head-to-head matchup, but I still don't care. I I think I'm going to go with the four-car over the 11. In practice, you know, Denny really didn't do much to make you say, oh, wow, he's got to go to a backup car. That really stinks. That Whip was fast. I don't think that that's the case. Harvick does have a, a you know decent car, so with all of those reasons at play here, I'm going to go with the four car. And one final one before we get into that parlay I mentioned earlier is another even matchup. I actually missed this a second ago. It's Ryan Blaney versus Chase Elliott, and this is super interesting because these guys are really battling throughout the year. And in practice, they were right next to each other in terms of uh, fastest lap during the second practice. Chase, on the five-lap average chart, was in the top 10. Blaney was not even on that chart because he didn't even run five laps in practice at all today. So that's very interesting. I mean, they were right next to each other when it comes to just the fastest lap they laid down. So the cars themselves are pretty equal, you would say. And if we're looking at a season total right now, Chase is winning the season right now 15-10 to 10 in the head-to-head matchup department. That's very interesting. I would say that Chase right now has more momentum on his side. I mean, he's won a couple times this year. He's putting down better finishes than Blaney recently, but... Blaney is 3-1 versus Chase at Indianapolis, which I think is pretty interesting considering 
you know, the fact that things have going are going Chase's way this year so far. In that head-to-head matchup, I mean, I think that is close to a, a no play. I would might not even bet on that. But if I did have to bet on it, I would go with Chase just because how dominant Chevy has been historically at Indianapolis. They've won before the last couple years. Chevy won tons of races in a row, and now they're going through a little bit of a drought. So Chase is probably a, a really good pick to break that drought um, just because he's the media darling and all of that. But if we're just talking about head-to-head versus you know two guys going at it, I'm going to take Chase over Blaney. But like I said, that's only if I have a gun to my head and I have to place the bet. This might be a stay away. I just think it's a really interesting matchup. Now we get to talk about some guys that we never have a chance to look at when we're betting because these guys are always so far in the back that it doesn't matter. But for whatever reason, maybe it's because practice was uh, on Saturday this week, the books had longer chance to put some head-to-head matchups together, and they came up with some good ones. We were a little tough on the sports books, but this week I would say they did a pretty good job because we're looking at names like Landon Castle, Reed Sorison, Corey LaJoy, Chris Busher, Stenhouse, Menard, Austin Dillon, Ty Dillon, Michael McDowell. I mean, these are guys that we never get a chance to bet on because why in God's name would you ever bet on any of these guys to finish in the top five to win a race? I mean, if anything, I mean, I've placed a couple of bets on Austin Dillon before to finish in the top 10, but that's it. I mean, you're not getting much value out of that anyway. And I mean, we're talking Reed Sorensen. I need like a top 30 bet for him to finish in the top 30. That's how far back these guys are. But I saw these bets come out, and I immediately wanted to get action in on this. So I put together what I'm calling a backpack parlay. It's because these guys are in the back of the pack. So when you're watching the race on TV and they're showing, you know, all the guys that are up front battling for the lead or, you know, the the lead changes on the pit road during a caution, I'm going to be watching the ticker to see who the hell is in 27th spot versus, you know, 30th, depending on who I'm choosing here. So I'll break it down for you. I have some reasons why I'm going with each guy. I looked at the season standings versus each other. So my first pick, we're going to start with some of the guys who are more well-known. All right, so we're going to go Paul Menard versus Austin Dillon. I mentioned Paul Menard won at Indy in the past. It was a you know good decision by the crew chief during that race, and you know they always talk about that race when we go back to Indianapolis just because he was somebody kind of off the beaten trail to choose. I don't know what the odds were that day. But going up against Austin Dillon, he's 16-9 and nine this year. He's got – Menard has the Penske affiliation, which I think helps. I mentioned, you know, that camp is kind of unsure of itself right now. But Menard knows that he has the ability to win at this racetrack. Plus, he's been beating Dillon all year. Then you add that to the fact that Austin Dillon, I said it once before, he is just on a downslide. I don't know what's going on with the three car overall. I don't know. Ever since Racing Wives debuted and you get to see, you know, how his hot wife is actually just white trash pretty much. um, He's been really sliding. So I'm going to take to start this backpack parlay. I'm going to go with Paul Menard, who had a pretty good practice, by the way. He was up at the top of the charts in practice. So Good for me. 
Paul Menard versus Dylan is the leg one to this parlay. The next part of this is going to be Ricky Stenhouse Jr. versus Chris Busher. And if I were to ask you, random Joe Schmo on the street, hey, between these two guys, who do you think's won more, you know, head-to-head during this season? You would probably say Ricky Stenhouse Jr. He's the household name if you're a NASCAR fan. He's all over commercials, all over radio commercials. Used to date Danica Patrick. I mean, he's, he's the big name. Chris Busher is actually 16-9 and nine versus Stenhouse this year. I find that interesting. You combine that with the fact that Stenhouse is actually terrible at Indianapolis. He's, this is one of his worst racetracks. His average finish here is over 27. I think it's like 27.5, which is kind of surprising. I mean, you think big racetracks, Talladega, Daytona, you think of Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Indianapolis is a big racetrack, but obviously it's a little bit more technical than the other two, and it gives him fits. Chris Buescher, I mean, he's not dominant, but the fact that he's got the season series versus Stenhouse, the fact that Stenhouse is so bad, it's almost like process of elimination here. I'm going to go with Chris Buescher. The third leg of this four-part parlay is going to be another Dillon brother. It's going to be Ty Dillon versus Michael McDowell, and Ty Dillon has the season series versus McDowell 14 to 11. So not big blowout here. I mean, they're pretty close together. But McDowell is another one who really struggles at Indianapolis. Out of all active drivers, he's actually fifth worst when it comes to average finish. So that's not good. Ty Dillon, he's not on that list. So the fact that he's got the season series versus McDowell, I mean, you could have chose a couple different guys against McDowell. I like Ty Dillon just because these are the types of races where every now and then you look up and you say, oh, wow, that's the 13 car. What's he doing up in the top 10? It's a track where people can get off cycle, like we said about Jimmy Johnson. He's got the type of crew chief who loves to do that and lead a couple laps. It's a track that lends itself to that strategy. So I'm going to go with the 13 over Michael McDowell in this scenario. And then at the end of this, we're going to finish this backpack parlay with two guys who truly are always at the back of the pack. And it's Landon Castle versus Reed Sorensen. So Castle, we actually mentioned him last week because of how cool his paint scheme was when they were doing the throwback stuff. He had that old Coors Light-themed paint scheme, which was very cool. And I think I said I, I would have loved to have an opportunity to bet on Landon Castle. Well, the NASCAR gambling gods shined down on me and said, here you go, Phil, right on your lap. Here's an opportunity to bet on Landon Castle. Sorensen has not raced a full schedule this year, and Castle leads this season series against him 11-4. to So the fact that Sorensen doesn't have a full-time ride, I guess, I mean, I'm assuming that's the reason why this season series is off. I got to go Landon Castle. It just seems like somebody's talking to me and saying, hey, take this guy. It makes sense. This should be an easy part of the parlay and lock it in. So it's a four-part parlay with Landon Castle over Reed Sorensen, Chris Busher over Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Paul Menard versus Austin Dillon, and Ty Dillon over Michael McDowell. I love it. I am fired up. If I hit that, I am going to be on cloud nine on Sunday. And then a little thing just to mention, I was going back and forth as to which one of these I should have included because you can only use one matchup 
with a, a driver in it in your parlay. You can't use uh, a driver twice in a parlay. So I was between the Castle versus Sorensen and Corey LaJoy versus Castle. And that is an interesting bet that I might take on the side. Obviously, I didn't include it in the parlay, but Corey LaJoy is having his way with Landon Castle this year. His season series is 18-7. to That is just domination like you don't see very often. I was actually playing around with the app trying to find a better season series for someone in a head-to-head scenario, and I couldn't find one. I didn't spend too much time on it, but still, 18-7. to So it might be worth your money to throw something on Corey LaJoy over Landon Castle if you have that opportunity. So then, as always, we got to kind of finish off with top 10 predictions. So this is betting on people who could finish in the top 10. And I immediately scroll down the list. I mean, you're never going to want to take somebody like Kyle Bush in this scenario. He's going off at minus 455. That is astronomical. That is asinine. That is insanity. Why would anyone put money on that to happen? If anything, it might be worth you betting against Kyle Bush finishing the top five because he's going off no right. If you bet no on that, finishing the top five for Kyle Busch, that's going off at plus 130. So obviously Kyle Busch is a heavy favorite. So you would never want to bet on somebody like him to finish in the top 10. Now, if we want to look at some guys who I like that I might throw some money on, Matt DiBettadetto. I mean, I, I didn't take him last week. I was pretty vocal about how that magic is going to run out. He is clearly just on one right now, and he's going off at plus 200 to finish in the top 10. I, I have to take it. I mean, he's just on fire. He's out there trying to prove himself, trying to get a ride for next year. I think that if maybe if his car isn't that great, I think his crew chief – is trying to put himself in position to be Christopher Bell's crew chief next year. You know, that's not a guaranteed thing. I mean, if you're the crew chief of the 95, they may bring in somebody that Christopher Bell knows better to be that crew chief. So I think both driver and crew chief are desperate right now to prove that they are worth staying in this Cup Series. So I've got to stay with the 95 plus 200. I mentioned Chris Buescher earlier in a head-to-head matchup. He's going off at plus 270. I really like that. I'm going to take Chris Buescher to finish in the top 10. He won at Pocono. It's another two-and-a-half-mile racetrack. I know it's completely different, and I know it was a rain-delayed race. But still, I mean, he's a guy who can get out there and, and do well, and it just seems like this could be an opportunity for him to step up and really prove that you know he can drive a race car, and he's not supposed to be in the back with everybody else. So plus two seventy. The fact that they even have him up that high is an indication that there's something going on there, and it's a reason to to bet on him. The last guy that I'll mention, Ryan Newman. He's fighting for his playoff life right now, fighting for his season. He's going off at plus two seventy as well, and he went out and he led. He laid down one of the fastest laps in practice earlier today. I think he was at the top of the charts in practice one, or maybe it was practice two, I don't know. But he did lay down a good lap. That would make you believe that he does have a race car that has some speed in it and a racetrack where you're going to need it. I think he's going to be out there mining his P's and Q's, trying to point himself into the playoffs. He's not going to take any major risks. He's going to try to keep the car clean. And I think you could see the six car up in the top 10 when this race is over. So I feel like that's a pretty solid bet to have him finish in the top 10. So that'll be it for the 
picks portion. We had the wins, we had head-to-heads and top tens. So now we're going to end it with another rant. And this is talking about something that came up in the news earlier in the week, and it actually goes right up against something that I mentioned in the Phil Saves NASCAR podcast. If you haven't heard that episode yet, I would suggest going back and taking a look at that, something we recorded during the bye week earlier in the year. Shameless plug. But to get right down to it, I live in the Philadelphia area, and earlier this week it came out that the Philadelphia Flyers are making an agreement or they're coming to an agreement with a casino to insert a lounge in the Wells Fargo Center, which is where they play. And in that lounge, people that come in are going to be able to place live bets on the action from their phones. This is monumental, absolutely huge. So what this is saying is that if I'm sitting around, maybe it's in the middle of the second period and I'm bored out of my mind, I'm going to be able to get up go ahead, get a beer, go into the lounge, pull up my phone and throw some money on whatever the live money line is for the Flyers to win the game or whatever crazy bets that are going to be available to me as the consumer, as the gambler inside that lounge. This is perfect. And it's phenomenal that it's happening. I think we predicted it. I think the first episode of this podcast, we said, this is the type of stuff that we're going to see happen. And it's only step one. Now, it goes hand in hand perfectly with what I was saying about what NASCAR should do. In the Phil Saves NASCAR episode, I was saying every racetrack should have its own book there, just like horse tracks. And you should be able to bet at the counter, at the track, on the action that's happening that day. This is taking it to a little bit of a different level. It's making it so that there's a spot where you don't have to even place a bet and receive a a ticket. If you're within the area, you're able to use your phone. It's making it even lazier for people. Use your phone to place bets. And if we're looking at NASCAR trying to do something like this, I think if there's going to be a guinea pig, like the Wells Fargo Center is clearly a guinea pig right now for the NHL and, and other sports, But in the NASCAR world, I think the perfect opportunity lies at Dover Downs. I know that sports betting is slow to come to the state of Delaware, but Dover Downs is a casino and racetrack. The casino bumps up against the racetrack. You can see the action on the racetrack from hotel rooms in the casino. So it makes perfect sense that we'd be able to put something together in Dover to make this a reality and kind of test it for other racetracks. So the thought process here is that you'd be able to set up a lounge or a section of the grandstands where if you're within that area, you pull the app out on your phone and you're able to place live bets on the action that's in front of you right then and there. I think to myself that I'm sitting in Dover grandstands and I want to make a bet that, you know, head-to-head, Chase Elliott is going to be ahead of Ryan Blaney when it comes to the end of stage one. You can get up, go do that, place the bet, come right back. That, to me, is how you keep the sport interesting, you keep the sport modern, and it just makes it fun for everyone moving forward. So, obviously, Philadelphia, a step ahead. They have sports betting legal in Pennsylvania. They've got casinos pretty much all over the area, so it makes sense that they'd 
you know, be the team or the city to try this out, but it's just the beginning. I'm telling you, it's just the beginning and NASCAR needs to open their eyes and see that Dover is the perfect place to be able to implement something like this in their sport. And if that works, then you start to expand it. And now you have the snowball effect going for the good things coming down the pike in NASCAR. So that's going to do it for another episode of Full Tank with Phil. Spread out your money. Put it on some of the guys who maybe aren't at the top of the list of favorites. You know, sprinkle it amongst all the guys that we mentioned. Make sure you get in on that backpack parlay. Cash in and have a good last race of the regular season. And we'll see you next week for the playoffs. Have no place to go. Have no place to go.